calling all freaks, weirdos, outcasts, ghouls, and lonely souls. Music's Metaphor is chillingly pleased to bring you the Lonely Souls Virtual Festival on Saturday, October 23rd at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Join us for the first annual Mental Health Halloween Music Festival. The spectacular event will feature independent artists from the USA and beyond. For Depression Awareness Month, we hope to encourage and empower people who might be feeling afraid, anxious, depressed, or alone this fall. Special VIP $5 tickets will give a Halloween bag for a child in need in Orange County, California. No tricks, just treats. Get your tickets at musicsmetaphor.com. Hello everybody, welcome to episode 73 of the Root Horror Podcast. I got a great episode for you today, as I have actress, producer, writer, Claire Fluff Lulin. She joins us on the show to talk about her films and her poetry and even the horror genre. Uh, Before we get into that, uh, I just want to ask you to please subscribe to the Root Horror Podcast if you're not already. Root Horror Podcast is on youtube spotify google podcasts stitcher apple podcasts google podcasts i mean wherever you get your uh podcasts root horror podcast is on there so make sure you're subscribed and uh if you'd like to leave a five-star rating or leave us a review on wherever you listen to podcasts be greatly appreciated Uh, so without further ado let's just get right into the episode with claire Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Root Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Root, and I'm here with actor, director, producer, writer, and poet, Claire Fluff Llewellyn. And uh, she's here to talk about some of the films she's been in and maybe even some of uh, her poetry. Uh, Claire, welcome to the show. Hi, Marcus. Thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. Uh, So, You've worked on uh, movies like Hobo with the Trash Can, Leaf Blower Massacre 2, and even the Exorcist TV show. Before we maybe get into some of those, uh, what 
got you into the horror genre? Like what made you want to become like an actress and a writer and, and so forth? Oh, well, I'd always been into horror and spooky stuff from, from a wee little one, um, (laughs) from uh, listening to um, recitals of Roald Dahl was one of my favorite children's poets. He had a, a twisted children's compilation of poetry called Revolting Rhymes, and they were really fun. Um, and then I joined the book club at school and had to get my hands on all the uh, age-appropriate spooky stories. There was one in particular called Meg and Mog about a witch and her cat. That was kind of fun. So yeah, I've always been into that uh, that kind of spooky genre. And it just uh, grew from there. And growing up in the UK, we uh, got to see all the old Hammer horror films with Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. Mm-hmm. So I really dig that and still love it now. I love seeing the uh, the the old retro colour, uh, the te- you know the Technicolor, um, mm-hmm. just the Gothic atmosphere and the backdrops. Um, you, you still can't beat that. It's awesome. I love that kind of stuff. Right. Have you watched uh, any of like the Hammer stuff, like in HD? Like, because there's a lot of them that are getting like remastered, and they just look awesome. Mm, I uh, yeah, <laughs> HD ruins it. <laughs> and oh, if you okay. watch stuff on a HD TV, it's like um, not long ago I was watching. Uh, and, it, and I don't know if it had been digitally remastered, but I was watching on a HD TV, uh, Indiana Jones. And it's like, holy crap, you can tell the fake sets. It made everything stand out and look ridiculous. It was horrible. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, some things, even like Jaws, like, uh, you know, Jaws getting remastered, you can really tell that the shark is fake. Yeah. So, I mean, some things need to stay on VHS, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to kind of hide some of those uh, camera tricks and, you know, the magic of filmmaking. Right. Also with, uh, also HD is not, uh, it's not kind to a lot of actors and uh, a lot of actors don't like it for that reason. You know, the, uh, especially close-ups in HD picks out every single pore and blemish. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I, I can understand that. Uh, but yeah, uh, what's, uh, what's your favorite hammer horror film or do you have one? Um, I don't really have one. Um, you have like a favorite, like universal monster. I was never big on the universal monsters. I, you know, I've, I've seen them all now, but, uh, I was more, more of a hammer fan, although I love Boris. Um, and there were some crossovers with American International. And then obviously you've got uh, Vincent Price, who did a lot in filming in the UK. Uh, you can't beat the, the classic great actors. There's, there's no one to replace them, really, I don't feel. I mean, you have great actors now, I'm not saying that you don't, but they're just so iconic, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand. Yeah, like, you know. Who, who can replace Vincent Price? Like he has a distinct voice. When you hear his voice, you know who he is right away. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, he's just a terrific actor and, and voice actor. 
So yeah, he's he's irreplaceable, I think. <laughs> and one um I hate to say the word remake, but <laughs> one remake I did actually like, and especially for the the color grading was spot on, was the Wolfman with Anthony Hopkins. Oh, okay. The look of it was absolutely fantastic. And of course, Hopkins is a great actor and uh, Benicio Del Toro did a fantastic job as well. Um, my only beef was with that was, was the end. I wasn't too happy with the the whole CGI werewolf fight at the end. I, I kind of lost it right there. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that one was pretty good, you know, and, and definitely a lot better than some of the other remakes like The Mummy. Mm-hmm. Uh, both reboots of The Mummy were kind of a disaster. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, The Wolfman wasn't too bad. I, you know, it would have been nice if they – uh, had used some practical effects in there more than CGI, but right. you know, it, at the time everything was kind of CGI and like the what was it, like 2010, I think that came out. Yeah, it's something, been a while. something like that. But yeah, I you know I'm more of a practical effects kind of guy. I don't know if I'm sure you probably, from the sounds of it, are probably in the similar. Uh, you know. Yeah, and I think that I think they can benefit each other. You can. There've been some great examples uh, that I can't name off the top of my head, but where they've uh, blended both CGI and practical very effectively. Right. Yeah, and when I when I've had people on the show before, uh, several people kind of come up with like the same uh, idea for like CGI as being like like a tool and not like something that to use like, you know, full blown CGI, but use it as like when it's needed right? rather than, you know, cause otherwise I think, you know, practical effects is what looks the best on screen in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And again, with some, and especially on uh, when we're talking low budget filmmaking, <laughs> then um <laughs> You don't want to hold your shot too long on a cheap practical effect because it, it ruins it. Less is more. You, you need, they need to bring back uh, suspense and atmosphere more like, like in the 50s, like in the, the black and whites. They were so creepy and eerie because they didn't really have the technology and the skills to do a lot with effects back then. Um, but it was still very, very effective and that you know that gets you more than just seeing a load of like fake guts and buckets of blood thrown everywhere mm-hmm. most definitely so uh one, one of your films uh hobo with the trash can is more or less like a horror anthology and i know one of your uh short films is is in the anthology uh could you tell us about uh, Hobo with the Trash Can in uh, your particular uh, film within the movie? Okay, so um, yeah, Hobo with the Trash Can's uh, quite old now. <laughs> 2014, it was released, something like that. Um, anyway, so I'd only really done shorts to that point, and I'm a really slow writer, so writing a feature script is, is a mammoth task for me, one which I still haven't <laughs> fully achieved yet. Um, working on it but um, yeah so I thought if we 
got together some other filmmakers and made a feature out of uh, shorts because features are easier to distribute. Um, it would you know, help everybody out and be a lot more um, attainable and viable at the time, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I, I particularly like anthologies that have a, a whole story within a story rather than just here's the next segment, here's a story and here's another story and here's another story and they don't relate to each other. Um, nothing wrong with that and it's, it's, been, it's worked quite well for a lot of anthologies that I have enjoyed but I wanted to do something a bit different and make it feel like a full feature film in its own right. Um, so I created the idea of Hobo with a trash can to help out low budget uh, filmmakers. I gave, I had a competition to start with um, and I gave out filmmakers an item of trash and said, do a 15 minute teaser of what your movie would be that surrounds this this trash item and then so I got my five uh five filmmakers um then they turned those uh trailers into like a 10 minute some of them were under that but you know around about that mark uh film and I wrote the rap to incorporate that so it's the premise is a hobo and when he goes garbage picking certain items when he comes into contact with them he has a flashback if you like um that segues into the story behind that particular item of trash hmm. so i yes. wrote the uh, yeah. wraparound and the first segment frying saucer and christopher kayla my partner in crime uh, directed saucer and he plays the hobo <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was a it was a lot of fun, and um, it's quite popular with stoners, I hear. <laughs> <laughs> I I can see why, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I think it's pretty interesting that uh, that you were given uh, a dollar budget to each uh, filmmaker involved, yeah. and then an item of trash based on their short film. I I thought that was kind of a you know like a, a little unique. Uh, trivia question i wanted to see how creative people could be because you know it's not always about budget we all struggle with when it comes to that so it's like these these people are, are talented they've got the talent and you use whatever resources you you come up with um so yeah how creative can you can you be with this item and a dollar and whatever you can scrape together and who you can <laughs> get to help you that's it's it's kind of that's the, the emphasis of low budget filmmaking right it's like uh indie filmmaking at its finest yeah so yeah very cool i think people should check out uh hobo with the trash can if if they ever get the chance and you might know some of the other filmmakers we have tony atomic stephen granger um another brit uh, Mark Charles Adams and his segments particularly funny and it's it's very in the vein of like say if you like Simon Pegg, um, yeah, and then we had uh, Lloyd James Emmons and Vincent Marshall, and it will be uh, coming out for a wider. It's just been picked up for distribution, so it's going to get a wider release. Oh, nice. 
is there going to be like extra uh, features involved with uh, with the new release, or is it just going to be kind of a new revamped version? Oh, it's 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 the same. It's exactly the same content. It's oh. just given over to a distributor who can help us get it to more places than we can on our own. Oh, okay, right on. Well, th- there's another film uh, that I think is maybe currently filming, uh, "Steal Your Face." Mm-hmm. Uh, and that one is uh, directed by Chris Collar again. And uh, so, w- can you tell us about this? Because this sounds like this might be like a Jalo. Yeah, Chris is a big fan of Jalos, and he wanted to make his own. He'd been involved with a couple of uh, indie slasher films, and he thought he'd um, do the whole Jalo. Uh, concept rather than you know a straightforward modern day slasher Um, so he's been working on that for a couple of years now because uh, the pandemic hit and obviously that put everything on hold for a while and Mm -hmm. and he and there's been few (laughs) few issues with the locations and cast replacements and it's been a bit of a challenge shall we say but he's he's like 90 percent done now it's looking good and not much more to shoot and he's um yeah hoping to have it all finished and releasable next year nice nice uh yeah i see yeah there's some familiar faces in the cast like uh kaylee williams and uh even lynn lowry who's gonna yeah. be at halloween palooza this uh year actually uh, next weekend by the time we're doing this episode but uh yeah yeah it's very cool and uh, uh joel Weinkoop, and then you know including yourself in this film uh do you remember or i mean have you uh worked with like lynn lowry or kaylee williams in scenes in this film or uh, i worked with um kaylee quite a lot and i met kaylee a few years ago and yeah, she's cool. She's gone to study acting in New York right now, so she's not around anymore. So we had to make sure we uh, wrapped her out pretty quickly after you know the pandemic. We still had stuff to shoot and scrambling mm-hmm. to get that uh, the last scenes we needed with her before she before she left. And Lynn Lowry, we met at um, CreepyCon in tennis, Knoxville, Tennessee, in 2019. Um, and that's where we shot her her cameo scene. Nice. And uh, Joel, I haven't I've never met Chris. Chris knows him, um, and Joel sent remote footage. So nice, nice. Um, yeah, I've noticed uh, there's several other films that you're working on uh, that are either in pre-production, filming, or in post-production. Is there any other? ones that uh you can talk about or or things kind of under wraps on those well i've always got way too many scripts on my pile in various stages of completion (laughs) um and i'm delving into another anthology but this time it'll be all my own content uh simply because i have a couple of older shorts now conscience my first one uh from 20 11 and director's cup was 2013 and 
I want, again, for distribution's sake, I wanted to put those into a feature. And I had this idea of uh, quite a unique wraparound uh, for, for that, but it was on hold for a long time because I wasn't sure how I was gonna do it logistically because one of the locations I needed was gonna be quite tricky. Um, fortunately, uh, made some new connections thanks to uh, Izzy Sutton and Sandra at uh, Monster uh, uh, Midwest Monster Midwest Fest. Midwest Monster Fest, yes. <laughs> the, the other, gosh, it's a month over a month ago now. Good grief, time's just flying. Right. Yeah, so I made some new connections through them. Um, Matt Moody owns a theatre in Davenport and kindly suggested that we could use his location. He also wants to screen Chris's Jello when it's ready there, which will be cool. So, so yeah, we've got some friends in that area. And um, so, yeah, it looks like it might actually happen now. So uh, shoot there sometime next year uh, for the for the wrap and um, see what uh, see what happens. Very cool. Yeah, I, uh, I, I know Izzy uh, pr pretty pretty well. Uh, I was uh, actually a zombie extra in his film Spring Fever. Yeah, nice. So that, that was pretty cool. And then, uh, you know, the venue you're talking about, uh, I was uh, honored to host the Q&A for the, the Grindhouse double feature of Spring Fever and High on uh, the Hog. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Matt's pretty cool. Uh, the venue's really awesome. So I think you'll have a, a fun time once, once you get things set up there. Yeah, we're all looking forward to it. They're uh, they're excited about it, and so am I. I've got to like pick up the script where I left off and f finish that up. And um, unfortunately, I might have to have a bit of a campaign to a few funds to pull it all together, but nothing extravagant. Um, sure. Sure. And it's the working title at the moment, and it it has a Facebook page. <laughs> it's called the uh, the Life and Works of Devlin Darling. It's um um it's going to be like a talk show, um, centered around my character as I appear in each of the shorts, and I'm, and I might throw in an, another one as well to a shorter short because those two shorts are like. 30 odd minutes um so the whole thing could end up being like two hours long but hey if it's value for money right yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> um yeah it's gonna be like a chat show with uh, um, this uh, uh, skeezy tv uh presenter uh interviewing this this actress who's a bit of a diva and uh and about yeah, and then that you know obviously segues into the movies, and I'm not going to tell you any more than that. But it's uh, there's a twist to it. It's it's quite entertaining. It's a it's a comedy. <laughs> okay, okay, very cool, very cool. Um, one one uh, thing that I've noticed that you've worked on uh, that I'm kind of excited to talk about uh, the Exorcist TV show. Uh, you played one of the nuns on the TV show. Uh, in several episodes, uh, can you tell us uh, what it was like working on the Exorcist TV show? Yeah, well, I've been doing background work for um, ten plus years, and that's by far my favorite gig. Um, 
it was it was pretty awesome obviously being a horror fan too i was totally in my element and the uh daniel um blanking on his last name the guy who played the exorcist is a brit and he's from the same area geographically as i am so we had a bit of a chat and um yeah i got to play a nun on like four four episodes every time they needed nuns uh i was i was called so that was great and this habit and it's quite hard to to recognize people because you just don't see much of your face with all the you know the uh the garb on the and i'm not religious i don't what do they call that thing um hmm now i'm totally blanking and um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. but yeah the the, the headpiece and, and whatnot so uh it was franciscan i think the whole brown habit and it was it wasn't that uncomfortable really but we got to do some cool scenes got to interact with a possessed guy at some ritual um kind of got to interact with with the actors not only daniel but alan rook love him he's awesome such a sweetheart and um the my brain is melting uh, damn it um <laughs> the lead the lead actress is and chris absolutely adores her he was in it as well um he got to have lunch with her <laughs> nice <laughs> from the fly um, wow oh uh, gina davis gina davis that's it yeah thanks yeah she was she was nice so got to meet her and and I got to hold the, uh, I was, I missed out on getting a line, which was a bit of a bummer because um, I'm not, uh, I'm not union. And some productions will give uh, background a bump and throw them a, a couple of lines. And that's happened quite a lot. But this production, unfortunately, was, uh, was not going to do it. Um, I was holding the girl's legs while they were exercising her. And it was just like a, a throwaway line. I don't even remember what it was now um and rehearsal i was doing that and then but they would go in to shoot and one person said no she she's not union can't do that so the stunt nun had to do it because because the, they're union it's like damn it so oh, close no. <laughs> <laughs> but i did get a bump for lying in a pool of blood when they killed me at the end so <laughs> oh. <laughs> spoiler alerts if anyone's ever uh, not seen the show <laughs> Yeah, very cool. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, people in there like Alan Ruck, John Cho, yeah. uh, Alfonso Herrera. You know, there's yeah, there's a pretty. Uh, uh, I want to say I'm, I mean I'm trying to use it's a different word besides rememberable cast, but but you know there's right. some definitely some familiar faces in the show, and uh, you know, The Exorcist is like one of the most iconic horror films of all time, so being able to work on the TV show. I mean, that just in itself had been pretty cool. Yeah. And it was a good, it was because the first season did revolve around the original story and Gina was uh, Reagan grown up. Um, but the second season, I haven't seen it. The second season takes a different twist and it's, it's a, it's a different story. It's, you know, outside of the original uh, characters and story of Reagan, etc. It's moved on to, mm -hmm. and I think then they moved location as well. They might have gone to Canada. I don't quite remember. Um, yeah, I didn't see the second season, 
and it, it didn't it had a really bad um airing time uh, yeah their slot wasn't great so it didn't get as much uh, viewership as it should have done really yeah but you can still find it now I and mean, it's streaming somewhere yeah i i forgot where it's on i think maybe like hulu or something possibly but some people didn't want to work on it and some people were quite uh superstitious Right, there were right. crucifixes everywhere. And then you heard people saying, oh, yeah, spooky stuff happened and this, I said, no, it didn't. <laughs> it's all in your mind. <laughs> I'm trying to think, uh, is that is that show done or are they still going to do other seasons of it? I think it's done. Okay, so it only lasts like two seasons. Yeah. That's a shame. But, I mean, I, I guess we are going to be getting a, a reboot uh you know, possibly trilogy of the Exorcist as a, a movie series. Blumhouse, yeah, I just saw that this morning. I saw the reboot of like the first film. I didn't know they were going to um, expand to the sequels, but yeah, of course they will. And I really don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not sure either. Like I'm at this point, I'm kind of against it because I, yeah. you know, I, I think the original is uh is good enough i mean i i really don't think it needs to be rebooted because mm-hmm. you know the movie the first one is just that good but uh from what i've read i think they're going to be putting uh like 400 million dollars into this which good god is a lot of money yeah and uh and i think it's going to be as a whole like not just one movie, but I think they're either going to do two films or even possibly three and kind of do like a, like what they did with Halloween and make mm. a, uh, a trilogy. Uh, so they could be doing the same type of thing, but I mean, it's all kind of speculation beyond what, you know, right. has been kind of uh, released about it. But uh, yeah, you know, I guess my final thoughts on it is I, I, I'm not really sure how I feel about uh, them remaking already a, a classic. Right. And they're doing it all the time. I'm not a fan of reboots and remakes. The only ones that really worked and that I really did like was The Blob and The Thing. Um, so yeah, you right. take something that, that that's that old, the black and whites from the 50s, etc. Obviously things have changed a hell of a lot since then and there's stuff you can do there but more more recent I mean even the 80s stuff yeah the effects might have been cheesy but that's what we loved about it um they were so much more enjoyable and they were so the 80s films were so entertaining and people who try and fake it now it doesn't work um and it's just a cash grab by the big studios Uh, you know a property that's known and loved and they don't even have to try. It's like it's like Halloween or Jason, you know, it's the names there. People are going to buy it, whether they critique it and hate it. Yep. They're still going to pay, give you their money, you know? Yep. And, and, you know, I think that's exactly why they're, uh, you know, going to make the exorcist is yeah. know, because they know that people are going to buy the box office tickets for this because, it's the exorcist mm-hmm. and uh you know it's 
it's kind of a shame in a way just because I, I feel like uh, Hollywood and big name studios are kind of cheating the fans that way. Like yeah. You know, they're not wanting to take chances on uh, original screenwriters or, you know, original ideas. They're just kind of gravitating towards the guaranteed money side of things, mm-hmm. which is kind of a bummer. And there's so much fresh talent out there. Uh, and it, you know, it hurts the, the little guys and it hurts the, the talented people who don't want to, you know, do the same old, same old. And we're trying to do something different. And it's difficult because pretty much everything has been done. So everything is going to have um, a feeling of this is like this and this. Oh, this reminds me of this film. That's inevitable. There's no getting away from that, really. Um, But the blatant ripoffs and reboots and remakes, it's it's really, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, you know, this is, uh, I I think I I mentioned this on a bonus episode, but I think it's worth mentioning. Like, I think uh, when we see these bigger studios want to, you know, remake everything, I think it almost works in favor of the indie filmmakers because, uh, you know, I would rather or more or less uh, contribute to like the Indiegogo campaigns on uh, these indie filmmakers trying to make things because they're fans of the horror genre. So they're making stuff that they want to see. And, you know, I just feel like there's more, uh, heart and passion put into those projects oh, definitely. rather than you know some of these bigger name studios that are wanting to remake every big franchise mm-hmm. so that's this is where i see like the indie filmmakers are kind of winning these days is because they know what people want to see because <laughs> they want to make things that they want to see right yeah there's no, there's no heart and soul in the in big studios, in remakes and reboots, it's it's all about it's all about the green. It's not about the the love of the genre, or you know, it's, again, it's just a money grab, and that's all there is to it. Yeah. Yep, a hundred percent agree. So uh, there's a, a couple of bigger movies that that you're a part of, uh, like uh, Sinister Two, and. Uh, uh, like the the preacher TV show, mm-hmm. uh, is is there anything that you can talk about uh, working on uh, like those films and TV series? I also did. It's not on my IMDb, but because my scene was cut, so I didn't bother putting it up there. But uh, I also worked on The Unborn uh, mm-hmm. many years ago, and I like that movie. That was good with um, Gary Oldman. Um, never got to see him unfortunately um and our, our green room was the on this next door i think to the home alone house it was in uh lake forest mm. very posh area <laughs> again it's just uh, background work and you know occasionally in chicago we get interesting projects tv series and movies that come through and anything to do with horror yeah i definitely want to get on didn't uh, I didn't work on the new Candyman one though? Um, however, Preacher was um, in New Mexico. We went house sitting in New Mexico for six months, and it's a right to work state. So 
um, background, not having a union other than in the major cities, New York and LA anyway, uh, we were able to get some work out there, worked on some Wild West sets and it's awesome. Um, and that was the one preacher episode we were on was on one of these wild west towns and they had a snake wrangler which was kind of a bit scary it was like <laughs> the, the falcon it was like yeah we're, we're hunting the snakes like oh <laughs> and i was in a, a period dress with all the skirts and everything and you have to go in a porter potty with it it's like that was interesting oh, no. <laughs> sandstorms whipping up on your on your face and you know, we don't get to wear like the protective stuff like the crew does it's like Hmm, getting gritty sand in your teeth, but uh, but it was it was an experience, and I didn't mind it actually. It was kind of cool. Um, again, there's Brits involved with with preacher Dom Dominic. Um, I'm blanking on names again, but the preacher guy, he's uh, he's English, and so is Tulip Ruth Negger. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Dominic Cooper. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, I mean, really didn't get to, to meet them or interact with them, but uh, it was a cool show. It took me a while to get into it because I'm not a comic book person, really. Um, I didn't, it was just so weird and bizarre. It's like I, I couldn't wrap my head around it to begin with. <laughs> so it took a few tries. And then the more I got into it, it's like, yeah, okay, this is, this is kind of unique. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it was fun working in New Mexico. Um, and then Sinister 2 was in Chicago. Uh, and that was just a, a church scene. I did audition to be the, the preacher's wife with the, uh, the rat helmet. It's like, yes, but unfortunately I didn't get it. But uh, that yeah. would have been interesting. They used to have pet rats and uh, they brought in, you know, live, I, I would presume domesticated <laughs> rats. <laughs> into the studio and <laughs> right yeah you definitely want to hope they're domesticated <laughs> yeah very cool yeah i i like uh actually both those films sinister and sinister 2 i thought those are for more or less modern day horror films i thought those are pretty decent yeah most definitely um I know this isn't necessarily horror, but I, I thought it was important to mention that uh, you had worked on uh, the Shameless TV series. I know that's a very popular TV show. Uh, yeah, that was fun as well. And um, Chris worked on that a lot as well. And he actually got to interact with uh, off, off screen with um, Bill Macy. <laughs> and uh, he was fun. Um yeah, that, that's, and actually I prefer, because obviously it was uh, taken off from the, the British show, uh, mm -hmm. like a few American shows have been, um, but actually I prefer the American version to the British version of Shameless. Um, and you, you kind of cringe at these people, it's like, you don't want to <laughs> find it funny because it's, it, there are people like that, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you can't help but uh find it entertaining it's like yeah the whole cast was great i was in several episodes i was on a prison bus with um uh fiona and did a prison scene and the only scary thing about that was 
um, when when we were on the bus, we so we were in the prison scrubs. Um, we were out in the sticks somewhere, and then we had to drive our own cars back uh, to locate a location for a prison shoot mm -hmm. uh, interiors. And we had to drive our own cars, and I had to stop at the gas station, and I was still in my prison scrubs. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I was a little bit concerned about that. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is this is going to go well. <laughs> yeah, but fortunately, um, nothing happened. So I, I was fine. But, Did you know, give me a weird me looks? It's like, um. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I've gone to gas stations at the end of shoots with like bloody faces and stuff, and that usually gets a little bit of a reaction. But well, then I was like slinging laundry bags in the prison, and um, the most notable scenes that um, well, Chris has got a more uh, standout look than than I do, so he always gets noticed in this scene. But and it's I think it's episode five, no, season five, episode one. We're on the train opposite uh lip and it's him and i chris and i sat together and um, the funny thing is uh we'd been together a while then and we were separated on the platform and when we were loaded onto the train we weren't like anywhere near each other but the director um sat chris opposite lip and then uh was looking for like a compadre for him <laughs> picked me out of the crowd. Hey, go and sit next to him. It's like, it's like, it's like do you know each other? Yes, actually. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so everybody all, always notices uh, that shot because it's, you know, close up. And, uh, but obviously Chris is more recognizable than, than me, but um, I did, I did get to uh, wait on um, Ian and Monica in a truck stop diner. I was the, waitress um giving delivering them coffee and pie um so yeah that was that was kind of that was kind of cool um there was there was some there was a little negativity on that set from other background but i i won't go into that but it, well, that was that wasn't cool yeah. but um and the actress herself was had it was, I don't know if she was having a bad day, but uh, I enjoyed the experience for like getting to actually be featured, but um, there were other things around it with some of the people that took the fun out of it a little bit, but uh, it happens, you know? <laughs> yeah, different like set politics kind of stuff or... Egos you don't want to go into. Yeah, for sure. You run into that on on all 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 spectrums, whether you're like the the lowest background or one of the lead actors. Uh, unfortunately, ego comes into play and and tarnishes the their reputation. And um, yeah, it's 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 not cool. You need to check that. You know, we're all we're all in the same boat. I mean, even even if you're you're a top-ranking paid actor. You know, I don't bow and scrape to them. It's like you're obviously talented. Wish you well. Good luck to you. But you got a lucky break, and I'm still trying to get mine. You know, it's right, right. As, you know, as background, you got to appreciate. I'm a walking prop. I'm background. I'm not 
a star and so sometimes you do get background who like to think they are and right obviously i'll utilize it like putting down i was in the exorcist and stuff because i'm kind of excited about it especially as a horror fan but you know i don't i try and make it out to be anything more than it was you know right right well at least like you know you got like your foot in the door so to speak to where you know you're building a resume to where you know one day maybe you will be a uh like top build actress or you know like people you know want to get you in some of those roles with more lines and you know put you in more noticeable scenes and whatnot i i can all i can do is try my best <laughs> right keep, keep plodding along <laughs> yeah yeah uh, I make my own so yeah uh another movie uh that, that you worked on that that's uh pretty big i think uh captive state starring john goodman mm-hmm. uh could you tell us uh anything about uh, working on that film i i've still yet to see it and um alan rook's in that too so i was excited to see him again i again just you know background um and i i got a close up with him and got to pass him in an office corridor. And I was so excited about that. I don't know if he remembered me from, it wasn't that long after The Exorcist really. I mm-hmm. said, oh, welcome back, etc." And uh, he probably thought, who the hell are you? But it's like, <laughs> 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 how dare you talk to me? No, it's like, no, he's cool. But um, yeah, that was, I didn't work on that an awful lot. I think it was just one or two days. Um, so still yet to see it, but I was excited on the, f- the fir- one of the first teaser trailers, they showed that scene in the office and you saw me go up and go, yes, I made the trailer, awesome. And then, then I think the official trailer was changed, but. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and then uh, it was one of the abductees, I guess, on, we were on North Avenue Beach waiting in a long queue. And yeah, look up in the sky, there's, there's actually going to be a spaceship above you. So, okay. Yeah, I still haven't seen it though. Yeah, that one's uh, I think sort of a newer one, maybe like a year or two old. I think still fairly new. Uh, I think uh, people people can watch it on Prime. You might have to rent it on Prime, but it is streaming places. Oh, I know it's available. I just haven't gotten around to tracking it down. But, um, right. I think the the biggest name uh, that I've kind of been within earshot of if you like is uh bruce willis when he came to do death wish remake <laughs> oh nice and uh i and he seemed really cool too um i was fooled at first because he's like stunt double was a dead ringer for him like 20 years ago I thought wow he hasn't aged at all that's because it wasn't him but <laughs> oh. <laughs> So then we did see him on a on a train scene, and he was chatting to uh, some of the uh, background who were sitting close to him, and he was quite amiable. Nice. Oh, I didn't realize that you had worked on uh, Death Wish. Or, you know, were a part of uh, on the set of Death Wish. Yeah, I'm not sure if I even put that down. I don't always put everything down on my IMDb. Sometimes some people say don't if it's just background work and uncredited and some people say do because it's you know it's a it's just a database you know 
Um, I usually focus on putting down the projects that I know I'm definitely seeing on camera. If I, if I watch the, the show or movie or whatever, say I'm seeing, okay, I can put that down. But like the unborn, I didn't put it down because my scene was cut. You know, you, you won't find me on it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm go back and forth as to what I put down and what I don't. And I've just finished working on ripple effects in Chicago. Uh, which is a, a time traveling sci-fi um, show that's going to be on Apple TV. Uh, mm. I guess based on a book called The Shining Girls. Oh, um, okay. And Leonardo DiCaprio is the executive producer, and the lead is Elizabeth Moss, and she was also directing some episodes. Oh wow! It's um, amazing. So that was that was interesting. They rebuilt the uh, Chicago Sun Times office on on the soundstage, and um, it was from 1992. So yeah, our fashion choices were yeah pretty um, awful. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I don't know if you can go really into detail of that, but so is it kind of like the background story of the shining sisters i haven't actually read the book um well like the characters they're kind of like from the shining movie like they're not really like they haven't they had really like really gone in depth on who they were they were just kind of like all these oh no 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 not the shining um stephen king no it's called the shining girls it's from a book it's oh. yes, totally nothing to do with the shining at all. Oh, okay. All right. I I got confused there. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. So people listening, it's not about the shining, the book from Stephen King. Right. Ah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, and the and the series itself, they've they've renamed it Ripple Effects. Okay. I'll have to keep my eyes peeled on that once once that's released. Um, have, have you seen any movies lately that, that you'd recommend people check out? Hmm, that's tough because everybody has different opinions on everything. You can like something and someone else hates it. Uh, I watch a lot of te- TV and movies con- you know, constantly. Um, what I am enjoying that's current right now is the what we do in the shadows series uh, that, mm-hmm. that's back on season three i really enjoy that and i still have yet to check out but i keep seeing posts that everybody's liking that um, midnight mass series so i have to check that out yeah i've, I've been hearing uh nothing but good things about that you, you know even though it just i think it just like literally just released yeah like yeah. a week ago or so but you know mike flanagan's terrific and most of the stuff that he's worked on so I'm, i can only imagine it's going to be awesome there aren't really any new movies that i've seen lately that uh, really stick out in my mind as a must see yeah no that's fine that's fine I just thought maybe there's, that's why I asked the question. I know if there's anything you'd seen lately that, you know, was worth maybe mentioning. 
do you, do you have like a, a favorite horror film or like what are some that uh, are, are kind of like some of your favorites, I guess? I'm not very good at these questions, <laughs> okay. favorites and of, of any of anything, because I, I like a lot of things. I watch a lot of things. It's like music, too. I listen to a lot of things. Favorites is always a favorites is always a tricky one because sometimes it depends on your mood at the time. It's, it could be a film that you love, and then sometimes you're just not in the, the mood for it. So you might, if you were forced to watch it and you're not in the mood, it's like you don't enjoy it as much. Um, but um, movies I can watch over and over again. Um, I really like Rocky Horror, <laughs> Phantom of the Paradise. I'd like those kind of those kinds of musicals. I'm actually working on one myself. Um, and Theatre of Blood is one of my favorite Vincent Price movies. Okay. Uh, they're all pretty. They're all pretty good. I like the Corman Poe adaptations as well. Oh yeah, those um, are very good. The Thing. I love the the John Carpenter's Thing. I just have to turn away for the husky scene. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a great movie though. Yeah, the original Aliens, uh, Alien with John Hurt. Um, John Hurt's always re- also really good in Ten Rillington Place, um, about uh, the serial killer uh, Christie from England, and uh, Richard Attenborough plays him. Hmm. It's just and it's just a really good film. Okay, you have to check that one out. I haven't seen that one yet. Um, there are there are so many. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, know, I, I suck at giving lists of. Jaws. No, that's perfect. Yeah. Oh, Jaws is good. Is there like a, a favorite type of horror subgenre that that you maybe gravitate more than others, or I know you mentioned like a lot of like the theater themed horror films is that kind of something that you would say something you gravitate more than some of the other horror films or well i can tell you my least favorite my least favorite is zombie was the zombie genre not a huge fan and also you slashes um with the exception of the original halloween that was one of the only films that ever gave me nightmares when i originally saw it many many years ago (laughs) and i really think that this the score has a lot to do with it that music just you know hits the spot it's it works so well um my my fair i always seek out gothic horror because i again i love the suspense i love the atmosphere i love the sets the costume i like costumes i find it quite boring when and also working on period stuff is more fun because um, to just like be wearing like your everyday average street clothes that you pick up off the bathroom floor, you know, it's like, <laughs> that's kind of boring to me. It's right. not, it's, it's nothing visually in, enticing, you know? Um, and there aren't that many, I, th- I want to say I've probably seen nearly every gothic horror there is to see. I keep seeking them out and there aren't many new ones that are done very well. I did like uh, Gothica and Kenneth Branagh's uh, Frankenstein was good. Um, 
and I mentioned before about the Wolfman remake is the the colorization of that just um, I was in love with the cinematic look of it um, and also I like the occasional comedy horror because it's mainly what I do and aliens aliens freak me out uh, fire in the sky is always my go-to creepy alien movie it still freaks me out that gave me nightmares mm. um and that's yeah, yeah look, i don't usually go for the gratuitous gore i think the, the fly with uh, jeff goldblum that kind of churned my i like the movie it, it does kind of that's one that churns my stomach especially the baboon part like oh my god oh <laughs> yeah right yeah that is a gruesome movie yeah definitely definitely uh a lot different from the original with vincent price yes. uh, yeah even though both both films are great for different reasons i think mm-hmm. yeah yeah very cool uh it's interesting to know that that uh you're not a big slasher fan or a zombie fan mm-hmm. yeah uh so I know that uh, that you have a couple books and that you're a poet, even though I was sort of unaware that you're a poet. I I had seen uh, you at a couple conventions as being like an actress and filmmaker, but I really wasn't aware that you're a poet. So could you tell us a little bit about uh, your poetry side of your career? I guess basically you could say I've always always been a poet I mean we were taught in school traditional rhyme and it in a very fun way and you know and I'll mention Roald Dahl again uh, as you know huge inspiration so you know so from being very young we were taught traditional poetry um, and I just found it very you know you know fun entertaining and um, as I got older, I got into music and used uh, used that form to write lyrics. It's also writing is kind of therapeutic, especially when you're you're going through things as you're growing up and well, at any stage in life really. If you need to get something off your chest, uh, therapists always say write it down. You don't have to do anything with it, but um, it helps. Um, so I just, you know, I've got quite a collection of lyrics and poetry going back to my youth. And uh, I was in bands first. I did music before I got into acting. Um, that's kind of what brought me over to the US in the first place. Um, what kind of music were you playing? Oh, I was the a lead vocalist in a few rock bands. Okay and uh, wrote the lyrics to all the original material. Um, right on. And then I kind of progressed from that into writing stories, scripts, as I was struggling to find suitable roles. I thought, I'll just, you know, make my own. <laughs> right. um, but I was always kind of reluctant to publicly release any of my poetry because it just was so personal um but I finally got the balls to do it a couple of years ago and you know worked on old material and fashioned some new stuff 
and some of it's quite dark so it kind of worked in the in with the horror scene and so I had the concept for my first book Love is a Killer which is broken down into three chapters um it's it's basically all about heartbreak but not in a mopey sense in a very dark way <laughs> so the first chapter is like human heartbreak the second chapter is um psychopaths and the third chapter is uh classic monsters so if you think of the stories of the classic monsters like frankenstein um it's really it is really heartbreaking uh all their their struggles and their uh want for love and affection in even vampires you know so i've included the a, a werewolf, a Frankenstein, and a vampire in the classic monsters section. Mm. One I really, one I forgot, and how how could I be so remiss? Is like the most tragic uh, figure of all would be um, the Phantom of the Opera, and I completely spaced on that one. But <laughs> oh. um, so so yeah, I uh, decided to 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 publish that, and it, it's it's done quite well actually. Um, it's really nice when people uh, feel that they can relate to uh, the more, you know, the more human side of the, the poetry. Um, yeah, because I know I'm not the only person ever in the world to have had the feelings that I've had throughout my life, you know. Um, so for some people, it's helpful to, to, you know, read that and know that they're not alone, you know. Right, right. So the response to that first book encouraged me to publish another book, which is not not uh, genre related. It's kind of my everything in the kitchen sink. It's again in, in broken into chapters. It's called Rhyme and Reason, Facets of a Life. And it's broken into love, laughter, and uh, love, life and laughter. Um, in the laughter section, there, there are a couple of twisted poems that uh, you can very much tell that I'm a fan of horror <laughs> right I have more uh, more in the works and main yeah more horror collections in the works um I did a one-off the other year called Queen of Halloween which was more kid-friendly and had a friend Brian Ruff do a um a piece of art for me um to go along with that poem and I made some merch and stuff um but I really need to put that into into a book so so that's another compilation to do at some point a more more child friendly spooky book um yeah I have a bunch of and I, I do uh, not having kids myself trying to figure out what age you should set things for as, as, as a marketing standpoint it, I just yeah I don't know so I don't like to put restrictions on myself when I write I, you know it comes out how it comes out and it's like <laughs> I'll figure the rest out afterwards you know <laughs> right right um but right, I have exactly. one I've been working on for a while which is really really long called Priscilla the Killer Chinchilla um mm. I'd love to get that illustrated um while I was in lockdown in the UK last year um I wrote a, a long poem called Rascals Inc. about my two nephews and babysitting them. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get 15 artists from around the world to 
illustrate it for me. And we raised uh, £400, what's the equivalent, about $600, something like that, for uh, the NHS in the UK. And I've hmm. been raising some funds for um, Operation USA with copies here. Very cool. Yeah, I hope I hope that works out for you. I hope you, you get the the funds you need to bring bring the publishings over here. Um, are, are you uh, planning on going to Halloween Palooza in Ottawa next weekend? Unfortunately, um, they didn't have room for me this year. But um, I was I was there in 2019. I had a great time. Yeah, I was I was hoping it would work out this year, but unfortunately, it uh, that wasn't. That wasn't the case. I was probably left it a bit too late to ask Jason because I wasn't wasn't sure whether to whether to ask him or not. And <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, listen, maybe maybe next year. I mean, next year I'll have new content as well because I haven't managed to get anything new for this season other than my non-genre, non-horror work. Um, so I was really hoping to, it just didn't, didn't work out, didn't happen. So next year, next year, I should have some new content. So yeah, hopefully I'll be back there next year. Um, Midwest Monster Fest was a lot of, was a lot of fun this year. That was my first, first time there in September. And I did the pop-up market in, in May. That was great. So hopefully go back to that next year as well. Uh, yeah. Jeff's awesome. Um, so coming up in, I can't believe it's less than two weeks now, is the dark, um, dead, dead convention in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, Eric Werner runs that, and that's a, that's a full weekend event. That'll be a lot of fun. They've got a shock rock um, event, Ari Lehman's playing with his uh, first Jason band, and there's some other rockabilly band, Coffin Cats, and some other bands on the Friday night to kick it all off. Um, nice. And then the masquerade ball, which I'm really looking forward to on a Saturday night. And they've got a film fest too. Um, uh, yeah, they've got so many guests. And there's, there's to me, their standout guest because I've not met him before and I'm looking forward to that is Danny Trejo. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. That, he, he'd be cool to meet, I've never met him before. And then the following week, the 23rd, so yeah, so that's the 15th through the 17th of October. And then the following week, uh, 23rd of October, a one-day event in Champaign, Illinois, is Dark History and Horror Convention. Uh, Brian L. Ward runs that. And John Borowski will be a guest there. I think he's in, he'll be in Indiana too. Um, I think he's been at every one I've been at this year. <laughs> we bump into each other a lot. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, and um, so yeah, that then they got a film fest there too, and my uh, my movie Conscience will be pay, playing in their film fest. And so they've got some John Dugan's one of his guests too. So they'll have some they'll have some other guests. Um, not just so it incorporates all of horror, not just the serial killer. Uh, faction but that obviously is a big big part of that convention and then to finish off the the season on uh, the 30th of October is the uh, Zirko's Halloween haunted flea market in Wheaton 
I was mm. there in in uh, in August with John, and John will be there again this uh, in October. Um, nice. It's always fun seeing people walk around dressed up. Uh, you don't expect that at a at a flea market, but you know he just you know he has guests and whatnot and various artists and some comic book artists and fleas are good fun. You never know what you're going to find. So. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that is interesting. I've never heard of anything like that as as far as a flea market goes. So it is kind of a cool little niche that he's got going on. And, and I'm sure, you know, it draws like, in people, you know. Oh, yeah, they get, yeah, they have a huge turnout at the, at the late night flea markets. It's great. And um, I've been trying my best to... Uh, my time management skills suck, but uh, I mean, <laughs> I've been doing like personalized poetry promotion videos for each event this year. And I'm dragging ass a little bit on that and still working on it. I need to need to get those need to get those done. I don't know if you saw the ones I did for uh, Midwest Monster Fest. Yeah, um, I, I did listen to that one. I thought that was pretty good. Really yeah, clever uh, how you, you know twisted the words to make things rhyme i thought that was pretty cool it's it's actually quite tricky a lot of people think turn their nose up at right uh, to you know rhyme um modern poetry has kind of gone back to the beatnik days where it's a lot of it is highly political and it's it doesn't it's it's free verse doesn't rhyme and it doesn't always have that much of a lyrical flow either um i'm just old school and being also that I was into music as well I like the musical feel of it um and to have a bit more a bit more structure I've, tr I've tried to experiment a little bit sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't um and yeah I, it's but it's difficult it's tricky to write an intelligent rhyme really does take skill <laughs> yeah Oh, yeah. uh, it's not just all roses are red, violets are blue, you know. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. To try to try to be a little more clever instead of you know maybe hearing the same old rhyme, you know, like roses are red, violets are blue type stuff. I'm sure, it does take uh, some skill to uh, to to accomplish. <laughs> I've learned a lot of new words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure the dictionary is like your best friend when it comes oh, to. Oh yeah, always uh, <laughs> oh, got a dictionary open, a thesaurus open. Yeah. And what makes it a little trickier for me is being British English, and then American English, and the differences uh, can make things quite confusing sometimes. Um, and then there's the pronunciation because you can have a word that on paper doesn't rhyme, but depends on how you pronounce it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So right. it's it, makes things interesting and I like to kind of play and mix up British English and American English because it gives me more options um <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure for sure uh well Claire uh is there uh, anything else that uh before we take off here is there anything else that you'd like to plug in like per se websites merchandise like you know where can where can people find you on social media if, if you'd like? You can find me on Instagram at Britfluff, only one T. Um, I've got a lot of videos on there. And I just released one 
Halloween poem called Bitchy Witchy on my Facebook and my Instagram. And that's from my book, Love is a Killer. Uh, there's, I did some little gypsy special effects on that. It's, it's quite fun. Um, and I just released and will be putting out again today a, a live concert, if you will, uh, Cooperoke. <laughs> I did uh, I did a Alice Cooper tribute stage act uh, years ago in 2019 where I sang along to some backing tracks and ran around with skeletons and stuff. Um, so that's going to be up there. And so, yeah, Brit Fluff at, with one T at, uh, at Instagram. And you can find me all over Facebook, Claire Fluff Llewellyn, uh, Claire Fluff Llewellyn author, and all my Brit, uh, Bloody Brit Productions is my company page for movies. And yep, another why I kept my nickname Fluff in my name is because you Google that and it's only me. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, yeah, and so I will put uh, the links to some of your uh, websites and, and whatnot in the show notes so people can check out your films and uh, poetry on, uh, I know uh, some of your stuff is for sale on Amazon uh, for like your poem books and whatnot. Yeah, so. both my books are on Amazon right now and I think Amazon is having a sale on the Love is a Killer right now because it's a good time of year. Oh, nice. Well, even even better reason for people to to buy your books in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can get them from directly from me at all the events and signed with bookmarks. Nice, nice. Well, yeah, that's probably the best place to get your books in, for sure. But uh, well, uh, Claire, thank you so much for coming to the show. I really appreciated talking to you about your film career and and your books and the horror genre. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Marcus. Upon a lonely midnight wonder approached I a castle over yonder, within whose walls a fair maiden ponder. Could it be, my beloved? With wistful glance did I look through crevice, cranny and nook, a fleeting fancy that I took to see my beloved. A stealthy entrance did I gain through fair maiden's window pane. A sleeping beauty there was lain, I have found my beloved. Stirred did she from her slumber, with gasp of fright stared she in wonder. Hypnotic spell I held her under, I shall have my beloved. Sanguine kisses did I bestow, love and blood did freely flow. My darkest secrets she shall know, crimson pleasure, my beloved. Her last breath did I steal, her mortal death did I deal, her eternal fate did I seal, sunrise nevermore, my beloved. Languish not beneath the earth, arise and claim your rebirth, take my hand in vampiric mirth, forever mine, my beloved. that about concludes the episode with claire i just want to say thank you so much claire for coming on the show it was great to be able to talk to you about some of your films i know that you know we've ran into each other at conventions so it was nice to actually be able to sit down and 
and really talk about uh, the horror genre with you. So this was very fun. And uh, um, just to comment on uh, some of the upcoming stuff, uh, very shortly after this, I will be releasing a bonus episode about the two-year anniversary of the Retort Podcast, um, which is uh, is upon us right now. So uh, it's been two years since I've done the, the Root Horror Podcast, so it's it's awesome to uh, gonna be able to do like a recap of the past year and just talk about uh, the past year. So that should be fun. Also, want to give a, a shout out to Tad from the First Time Podcast for having me be a guest on his show recently. Uh, it's actually the first time I was actually a guest on someone else's podcast, like, you know, le- le- a legit podcast. So uh, that, that was very cool to do. We talked about VHS 1994, well, VHS 94, I guess. Uh, that was a lot of fun to talk about that film. Uh, and then, we, you know, I talk a, a bit about the Rehor podcast and how... You know the show came about and whatnot, so that's a lot of fun. If you want to go over to his podcast, it's First Time Podcast, and uh, it's a part of the PFPN. So if you just go to the PFPN.com, even the Root Horror Podcast is on there. If you know, take take it for what that is. But yeah, so he's on the network as well. First Time Podcast. Subscribe to that, or really just subscribe to the the prescribed films podcast network and then you get you know rehor podcast on there plus all the other great shows on there so it's it's a win-win you know you'll have an abundance of content you should never be bored so <laughs> yeah should be a lot of fun um you know in the near future here uh i'll have more guests lined up eventually i'll get to those uh solo episodes like uh, the toxic avenger i've been trying to do that episode for months it's it's ridiculous how i haven't gotten to that yet but i assure you uh trauma fans that are you know people that are anticipating on that episode dropping uh that one should be coming (laughs) i promise it don't know exactly when but it is coming so uh bear with me uh but yeah in the meantime uh definitely been dropping some great content i think through october uh, especially with uh, authors and and actresses and actors filmmakers etc and then uh i do want to mention the uh vishal rai episode is getting postponed uh some things out of both of our powers so to speak uh uh made it to where we have to postpone it but uh you know, I will be doing a root horror radio with him uh, within the near future, hopefully, maybe next month. Uh, so you guys are looking forward to that one. Uh, still coming, it's just getting delayed. So my apologies with that. Um, but yeah, uh, this is that's I'm basically just keeping you up to date on what's going on. So uh, that's what's going on. Uh, if you want to. Uh, Look up more information on the Root Horror Podcast and, you know, want to follow me on Instagram, Facebook. You can follow us at Root Horror Podcast or else for all the links uh, relating to the website, YouTube, um, everything else, you can go to www.linktree.com forward slash Root Horror Podcast. And 
have at it whatever you want to look up it's that's the link to go to so uh, big thanks to the prescribed films podcast network for keeping me on and uh and, and you know supporting all these great podcasts around the network i know there's, there's quite a few of them and and I haven't gotten to all of them, but I have been checking out some of them. And there's definitely some great podcasts on there. So, uh, you know, I encourage you guys to, to uh, check out the PFPN network and, you know, copy that RSS feed from them. Put them on wherever you listen to podcasts and you should be set. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's about it for me. So I uh, just want to say thank you all for listening to the podcast. And and uh supporting the channel i greatly appreciate everybody's support so thank you thank you thank you and uh that said stay tuned for the next one
You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening.